Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jackie here for Federated Insurance. Federated's corporate culture is grounded in equity, integrity, teamwork, and respect. These four cornerstones create the foundation that supports all interactions and decision-making. Business owners are the backbone of our economy, creating jobs and employing hundreds of thousands of our fellow citizens. Federated Insurance exists to serve the evolving risk management and insurance needs of safety and loss-conscious business owners. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Uh, there was more drastic things to worry about than basketball at that moment. So I, was, I wasn't really too worried about... Um, uh, basketball <laughs> for a while, but uh, I'm just, I was, you know, I, I miss the game. I love the game. I miss these guys. You know, I was sick and tired of uh, recovering at the ho- at the house and not being able to leave and do anything. So, um, you know, the team did an amazing job keeping me up to date, giving me a chance to watch practice from home and um, just, just making me involved. But, you know, I had a lot of recovery to do. And that, of course, was Carl Anthony Towns of the Timberwolves. Welcome into Mackie and Judd. If the lineup doesn't look entirely normal, and it looks like a bonus scoop date, that's because Phil is out. He'll be back tomorrow. So it's Judd, it's Declan, and it's Mr. Scoop, Darren Doogie Wilson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News, and also Scoop Podcast fame. Um, and, Dukes, let's start you with this, because I know that you were, I believe, at that uh, press conference or at that uh, group session that Kat held yesterday. So I believe shortly after that, ESPN broke the story. I think that uh, Kat had been in the hospital with a throat infection. He obviously didn't sound great there. He also didn't look great. What can you tell us about, I don't think it's a situation to panic about, but I do think that it's a it, it's a definite curveball from what we thought was like the flu or something that kept him home last week when the Wolves conducted their annual media day. Hi, Judd. Hi, Declan. Judd, I actually wasn't there on Monday, a rare time that I wasn't there, but we did have a presence. If you go to the KSTP website, the sports website, Kat spoke for nine minutes, 38 seconds. We have the entirety of that on the sports website at KSTP. So I certainly listened to what he had to say. I'm aware of what's going on. There were inklings last week of something being up, certainly even going back, you know, eight days to media day when he wasn't there. People wondering what the heck was going on. You know, somebody had alluded to, okay, it's definitely not COVID, but it's certainly something that we are concerned about. 
And so, you know, heck, I should have probably dug further. I was led to believe he would be back at some point this week. Well, he is back. Yeah, Brian Windhorst had the specifics on a throat issue. Even Cat alluded to that in the middle of that nine and a half minutes he spent with reporters. He said, hey, I apologize. I can't speak any louder than this. So there was a sign there. Okay, something is up with the throat. Now, that being said, Judd, like I've already had one NBA contact that I trust a ton. You know, just say, hey, like you might want to dig further. Like, are we sure that's the only thing going on here? Now, I'm not quite sure on that, Judd. You know, like he's back now. I don't have any sense that there needs to be like this grave concern right. leading into two weeks from tomorrow with the opener against Oklahoma City mm-hmm. or soon thereafter. Now, it's unfortunate that really him and Rudy haven't really spent much time together. Like even going back to Monday, it's not like Cat is absorbing contact. So it's not like they were on the floor together five on five. So we wonder when that can take place. You know, the Wolves hope that that can take place as soon as, you know, this week. Rudy's fine. Like, Rudy isn't playing tonight in Miami because Rudy just came back from Eurobasket. Like, Rudy is ready to play in an NBA game today. There is nothing to worry about Mm -hmm. with Gobert. But with Cat, like, you hope that the two can share the court together for some sort of sustained stretch before that opener in 15 days. Now. They're about to head out. Well, they're out for like the next 10, 11 days. I mean, there's a stretch where they are in Los Angeles for four or five days. So there's going to be ample bonding time, ample on the court time. So I wouldn't be all that worried, especially with the way the schedule sets up. Like we've touched on this, Judd. There can be some hiccups, right? And inevitably there will be some hiccups. But the schedule is so favorable the first few weeks. They will have some time to sort through, you know, those those issues. But, yeah, certainly interesting that that Kat missed that time. His significant other pointed to on Instagram, on her Instagram story, that I had to take Kat to the hospital. Yeah. He's saying that he couldn't walk for multiple days, which to me is certainly interesting. My tentacles went up on that one, like, okay, throat, but then you couldn't walk. But now he's fine. I know some people are concerned about, a little he weighs, 230 pounds. The idea yes. was for him to drop some weight anyway, drop some of that body fat, making the move to power forward, guarding the perimeter a bit more, being on the perimeter a bit more, not having to bang as much. So that was the plan all along. But I get it. Like, I get the concern. Like, you know, he was shooting yesterday with his shirt off. I mean, he looked darn skinny, right? Like, you're like, whoa. Like, he needs to add some muscle there, right? But I suppose you'd rather have that than him being too heavy. But I'm just telling you, the plan all along was for him to drop some weight, getting ready to play all these minutes at the four position. What concerns me, um, and it's the one thing, is this. And and I don't know. If it's short-term, it's fine. Uh, what concerns me is he doesn't look good. Like, he looks sort of uh, gaunt to me like when and and I, I guess my question is this where is the strength at now and and is that is that fairly easily doogie going to be built up for the opener because that's the one thing like this this league you you can't be like oh I'm, i don't feel good but i'll just play through it 
Um, and so that's that's my primary concern is how he looked. Uh, because, yes, it's one thing to come into camp in great shape. It's another to come into camp, you know, basically having accidentally dropped weight because of illness, and then just to look like you're tired, and he looked tired. So that's the – if I have a primary concern w- without prying too much, that would be my primary concern. Well, and I think that's a fair concern. Now, on him looking tired, really, that was the most activity he's done – right? in a good seven to 14 day stretch. So he spoke with us on Monday after at least doing some stuff again, no contact, but at least moving around shooting a lot. Like that's the most he's done in a while. So I understand him appearing tired. I get that. He just didn't look great. I thought at times he forced a smile, right? Mm -hmm. So like, do I think he'll be, 100% 100% A-plus, absolutely locked in, ready to go on October 19th? No, I don't. But I think the schedule, I'm telling you, Judd, like you're right. For the most part, you can't play at 75% in this league. I think he might be able to at least help them on the offensive end, maybe not play 38 minutes, but something like 20-something minutes starting in 15 days then a slower buildup to hopefully getting back to 100% by hopefully early to mid-November. But, yeah, like I don't foresee him being 100% anytime this month. Uh, Dukes, I was seeing some quotes about Jaden McDaniels at practice, and obviously uh, Austin Rivers just seems like the media darling that everyone's making him out to be. Just a great quote all the time. Yeah, you guys need to track him down. I've thought about tracking him down for some sort of podcast. Yeah. You know, I know his agent relatively well. You know, trying to go through the Wolves, they might just think, Hey, that's a really good idea. Like, let's execute that idea on our own. Dukes, we don't need you for that idea. Right. We'll do that internally. But, yeah, like, he is absolutely a media darling. That is, he's a big D2 fan, so that, that means to tell me that he also believes Julie the Cat was a better goaltender than Goldberg. So I want him on the record. If, if, you, get, if, you, if, <laughs> if you get him, Dukes, please ask him if Julie the Cat was the better goaltender over Goldberg, because that is a controversy in the, in the Mighty Duck franchise. Uh, but back to the actual hoops, uh, I, I saw him talking about Jaden McDaniels and just saying how special of a player he is. You know, and I think McDaniels is getting so much more attention after two really solid seasons here. And Dukes, you know, he was kind of coming off the bench, starting a little bit last year, but 25 minutes per game. If Cat is maybe not able to play the significant minutes early on as he gets back into conditioning and whatnot, do you think that Jaden McDaniels probably ends up playing maybe more north of 30 minutes per game? What do you think the plan is for him in his third season with the Wolves here? Well, I think Kyle Anderson plays a lot more minutes at the four spot. McDaniels plays the three. Edwards the two. Russell the one. Gobert the five. I will tell you, Declan, like you can go back many years. You know, historically, traditionally, a lot of guys take their biggest leap year two to year three. Let's not forget, Jada McDaniels was a big-time recruit coming out of high school. And that Washington team his freshman year was a bit of a dumpster fire. Good job by Gerson Rosas recognizing the talent, scooping him up late in the 20s. I'm still shocked he fell that far just with that body type, with that skill set. Don't know how he lasted that long, but there is a ton to like there. I feel like, too, like I've seen some photos, you know, side by side, him and Kat. Like, I feel like he's as tall as Cat, if not taller. So I know they list him at, what, 6'10"? I think he's a legit 6'11", 6'11 and a half. With that length, 
I'd love to see his usage rate jump up, like in terms of just running some plays for him. You know, instead of, you know, ball moving around, he's stuck in the corner. Okay, launch the three. I'd like to see Finch run some action for him. I don't necessarily see that happening, at least early. But, like, I think there's a lot there to like. And, you know, Utah wanted him. Heck, Utah's not the only team that's asked about him in trade talks. I mean, his name has come up a lot. Rosas was never going to trade him. Suchin certainly wasn't inclined to move him. And we saw that Tim Connolly wasn't interested in moving him. Now, I was led to believe going back over a year, there would be a deal. Like, to bring in a superstar, there would be a deal where they would part with him. Well, guess what? They brought in a superstar. Maybe not your traditional superstar, but Rudy Gobert is a superstar. Like, I don't think we can debate that. Well, they held on to him. But I love the player, Declan. I am a huge Jane and McDaniels fan. I'll be curious to see what his next contract looks like just with the usage rate not being maybe what it could be for a player with with his skill. But, yeah, I love the guy. By the way, on, on Gobert, Judd, I don't know if you saw the NBA GM survey Mm-hmm. Came out this morning, NBA.com. Yeah, and so, you know, the Wolves showed up a few different times. Gobert, you know, far and away the best defensive player in the league. Chris Finch got some love for being a really good coach in-game adjustments, which I support. I wholeheartedly agree with that. The Wolves overall, though, tied for sixth in the Western Conference. So whatever stock you want to put into the GM survey – those are legitimately done by it's not Connolly, it's you know, maybe one guy below, but somebody pretty high up in each front office is filling out those surveys. And yeah, the Wolves were were linked to I think it was Dallas tied for six. I could find it real quick, or maybe Declan, you can find it, NBA.com. But Denver was above them, the Clippers were above them, Golden State was above them, I believe Phoenix was above. Above them, I'm trying to think who else was above them. Surprising. Maybe Memphis, and then tied with Dallas for six. Well, yeah. guess what? If they end up finishing sixth or even seventh, and have to go through the play-in again, yep. that will be a disappointing season. Yeah, like for them to have a successful season, it's all about finishing in the top four, right? And then you have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. Duke it out then. Now, if they lose like they did to Memphis, I think a lot of us would say, okay. In the first round, I mean, I think a lot of us would say, okay, that's a disappointing season. Yes. But I'm just telling you, the stated goal, a little bit on the record, but certainly behind the scenes is we have the roster to be at least minimum the number four seed in the Western Conference. You don't make the Gobert trade and then say, oh, yeah, first round loss. That's too bad. When you trade those picks, like like the amount of assets potentially that they sent to the Jazz there, Dukes, Yes, I I think anything less than than avoiding the play-in game, first of all, and second of all, if you don't get through the first round, it's going to be judged internally, most importantly, by the by the guys that own the, this team or the guys who are going to own this team, I should say, as a disappointment. I think you're exactly right. Like, that's the nice thing here. Yes, the whole thing about, you know, we're plucky and tried hard, I think is going out the door, which I agree well, with completely. Is going out the door. I'm just saying I don't necessarily know it has to happen this first year. Surely it has to happen at some point while yeah, Gobert is still under contract. Let's put like you need to get – I think you need to win multiple rounds, really, to justify this trade. 
Sure. I'm not suggesting championship. Sure, of course, you want to win the championship. Yep. But to me, you need to make at least one Western Conference Finals appearance. Yeah. To truly justify giving up all those assets. I admire the try, right? Swing for the fences. I'm not anti that. I'm happy for my guy JB in Cleveland that his GM has swung for the fences with Donovan Mitchell. So yeah. I'm never anti. But I also understand, trust me, I said it in the moment. I'll say it again. A lot of league people will tell you this. Like, it was a no-brainer for Utah, right? When Minnesota said, okay, we'll do this, 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 and this, yes. like Danny Ainge didn't have to hesitate for a second. Even though he wanted Jaden McDaniels, yep. but that extra first-round pick thrown in, the swapping of picks, like it was a very, very easy yes in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. An interesting note to uh, Judd and Dukes in that GM surgery, and I, I found this one really interesting, is which team's level of success this season is the toughest to predict? So the Nets lead with 32%, uh, the Lakers 18%, Grizzlies 14%, but tied for fourth are the Wolves with the Bulls, Pelican, and 76ers. So still some GMs out there trying to figure out, are they above a play-in team, but are they still outside that top four? It is kind of fascinating watching even the the wins, the, the over-under wins of, of Vegas kind of still staying put at that 47-and-a-half, 48-and-a-half because people are still trying to maybe seeing a wait-and-see approach with this new Twin Towers approach with the Wolves. Well, I mean, I would still bet the over. I just think, I'm telling you, go through the first 12 games. Like, they absolutely should win 9 or 10 as they're feeling things out. If it was a tougher beginning of the schedule, I might say, you know what, maybe I pause. Maybe it's right at that number, 48 or 49. But I certainly think they hit 50 or 51. Now, I did a radio show in Sioux Falls yesterday with my buddy Jeff, ESPN Sioux Falls. He's got them at 57 wins, right? And I'm like, Ooh. no, Jeff, I'm sorry. I love Ooh. you. No, I'm not. I'm not Jeff. suggesting 57 Slow wins. Slow down, in the Jeff. I like Jeff. Slow down. Yeah. I'm not I'm not quite going to, to that extreme. The Western Conference is a bear as much as ever, yeah. even though there are some teams punting on the year. OKC, San Antonio, Utah, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this 7-2 kid that I think is going to be on ESPNU or ESPN2 this week, he's from France. Rudy Gobert knows him well. His first name is Victor. Like, he's considered the best draft prospect in a while. Now, you know, depending on what you thought of Zion coming out of Duke, right? even Holmgren and Paolo, you know, coming out of Duke and Zaga. But I'm just saying, you go back a while, you know, and this kid, 7'2", you know, a little bit thicker than Holmgren, but with all those Holmgren skills with the shooting and the ball handling, the length is off the charts. Like, there are teams drooling. Like, there are teams that will give themselves the best possible chance at that number one pick. So they have zero interest in winning this year. But that being said, I mean, like Sacramento should be better. New Orleans should be better, right? So you start going down the line of teams in the Western Conference. Portland is going to be better, Yep. right? The Western Conference is uber tough. Like, it's been trending this way for a couple years, but I think it's as tough as it's ever been. Declan, if you have that survey there, so who were the teams above them, Western Conference-wise? I know the Clippers. I know Golden State. Was it Phoenix? Was it them tied with Dallas, tied for sixth? Yeah, they were tied with Denver, or excuse me, tied with Dallas at six. So from the top down, it goes Clippers, Golden State at two, Phoenix at three, Denver at four, Memphis at five, Wolves tied with Dallas at six. 
Well, I mean, the goal should be we find a way to be better than Denver, so we win the division for whatever that's worth. Winning the division is not a big deal, but you want to have a better record than Denver, so that would mean you win the Northwest division. And Memphis has Jaron Jackson Jr., a really good player out for at least a couple months. So the hope would be that you can start stockpiling wins here October, November, into early December, that you have a nice cushion between you and Memphis because when Jackson Jr. comes back, Memphis should really take off. What is the plan or expectation uh, for Kawhi games played? Because that's my – like the Clippers, that comes down to me to, to be that question. Is well, Kawhi yeah. fine? Cause, but, but, I mean, he always finds – or I shouldn't say this. He doesn't always. He often seems to find a way to miss a lot of games, and if that's the, if that takes place, the Clippers ain't going to be as good as people are predicting right now. Well, I mean, I'm in the I'm in the belly of the beast of a of a high stakes fantasy basketball draft right now. So trust me, I've I've dug. Oh Although Kawhi just went off the board before my third round pick, I don't think I would have taken him before round three. But the Clippers have 15 back to backs. To me, Judd, he's going to sit out 15 games minimum. Like yeah, maybe he plays one of those sets mm-hmm. of back-to-backs, but I don't think he's going to play each of those back-to-backs, right? So, like, to me, it's like right in that ballpark of 14 or 15. Like, to me, max games played for Kawhi this year, like 67, okay. 68. He's not playing 78, 79 games. Yeah. Now, Anthony Davis is on the record saying he plans on playing all 82, although he's already in the injury report, <laughs> right? So, you know, things change as – as the year goes on, like to me, Steph Curry is going to sit out some of those back-to-backs, right? right? Maybe it's the first game of a back-to-back if the game, the second game is on national TV, whatever. The point is with these back-to-backs, Golden State is 14 or 15. Like I anticipate Curry is going to sit out a decent amount of those, maybe not all, but a decent amount where he'll miss one of those games, right? But those teams still have incredible depth, right? Like there's a lot of good stuff coming from LA on John Wall right now. Right? Can John Wall even be 80% of the player we remember back in the day? No. Flip Saunders' guy in Washington way, way back. Maybe not. Yeah, I mean, he's been through some serious stuff. But the buzz so far is pretty darn good. My guy, Amir Coffey, earned a nice contract. He's now a rotation guy for for the Clippers. But, I mean, they have some guys. I mean, Paul George is still a top 15 player in the world, in my opinion. Right, And Kawhi certainly is a top 15 player when he's – when he's right. So I still, I still love the Clippers. Like I think the Clippers have a better roster than the Wolves. Like mm-hmm. I fully expect the Clippers to finish ahead of the Wolves. Vikings. Um, I, do, I do not believe that it is hyperbole and I do not believe that I am sounding an unnecessary alarm when I say that after what uh, Kevin O'Connell said in his press conference Monday, I have real concern right now as we talk about Lewis Seen's career. Um, compound fracture, left leg. I am led to believe it's more than that. Like there's more potential damage there, Dukes. Um, he is certainly not going to return in 2022. And this is the type of thing, and he's young, and hopefully he comes back absolutely fine. So like all, all the best to him. I hope he does great. Um, but this is no ordinary broken, you know, hey, he sort of broke his leg and, uh, I think the Vikings, and I, I think you heard it and saw it in O'Connell's face when he addressed reporters on Monday, I think there is genuine concern. And, and he had a preliminary procedure in London on, I think, Sunday night, 
and he's going to have the surgery on Tuesday. The point being is don't dismiss this as just, you know, ACL, he'll be back, he'll be fine. I think until we find out more, there is legitimate concern about the career probably and effectiveness down the road of the Vikings' first-round pick. Do you think that's fair? I think it's probably fair, and I will tell you. Well, first off, the second surgery is now done, right? So as we sit here at 10.30 a.m., Tuesday morning, Twin Cities time, it's, what, 4.30 in London. My understanding is the surgery was going to be before 4.30 London time. So that surgery is either just about wrapped up or is done. He may be back here in the Twin Cities before the week is over, if not by, say, Saturday, sometime next week. The plan isn't for him to be in London for a really long time. But sure, compound fracture, I get it. Now, somebody close to Lewis told me on Monday, the early sign is this is not a career ender. Age on his side, as you said, mm-hmm. just this should not be it for, for Lewis. But until like we hear how this second surgery, the bigger of the two surgeries, like the far bigger of the two surgeries, until we hear how this second surgery went, sure. Like, your concern is is plenty fair. The fact that Kevin Seifert, our mutual friend, asked the question to Kevin, and Kevin didn't come out and flat out say, yeah, we fully expect him back in 2023. There's concern right there, right? It would have been easy for Kevin to say, yeah, our medical people fully believe he can make a full recovery. You know, and those words didn't come out of O'Connell's mouth. So just based on that, sure, I understand. Uh, the concern, right? Compound fracture. I mean, just, oh, right? And you go back and watch the video. It's as gruesome as as it gets, right? You have to wonder about the the field, right? I mean, I know they've got the special football surface, right? All that, but, you know, like you can't help but wonder if, if the field certainly played a role, but who knows? Maybe it was the cleats he was wearing, just the angle he took. You know, I'll be curious to hear from, from Chris Boyd in the locker room, Chris Boyd was right there. So he probably heard the Lewis scream, you know, not that I need him to greatly detail what took place, but I hope to track down Chris Boyd at some point this week, just to hear his point of view, just being right there as it happened. But I'm just telling you, somebody close to Lewis does believe he'll be able to come back. But yeah, certainly this isn't like Sunday night in the moment on TV. I made the comp to Chad Greenway. Well, this isn't Chad Greenway, right? If I could, If I could take back my words, I was more just pointing to guy, first-round pick, young, right, and suffers uh, a catastrophic injury. Now, in Chad's case, what, just an ACL tear, but right on that old, you know, crap Metrodome surface, Chad came back, had a solid career. So I made that comp that, hey, it's not necessarily a death sentence for Lewis. Well, now gathering more information in the last, you know, 36 hours, Since that TV hit on Sunday night, you know, maybe I should not have used those exact words. If I could switch the verbiage on that, I probably would have been a little bit more careful with with how I worded that because it is possible. But I'm just telling you, you know, somebody close to Lewis who I trust told me the initial sense is he'll be able to resume playing. Now, will he be able to resume playing at any point in 2023? That I don't know, right? I mean, it's very possible if he can play again, this is a 12 to 15 month type recovery. This is not a nine month recovery. So we may not see him at training camp in the preseason. 
And at that point, would it make more sense just to be uber cautious and just wipe out the 23 season and hope he comes back in 24? So just super, super, super unfortunate. It was unfortunate he couldn't beat out Josh Metellus for that start when Harrison Smith missed the game against Detroit. It was unfortunate that he missed a few days during training camp, was a bit behind, right? But he was always going to be with that athleticism on special teams. So it's not like on punt return duty, like he was thrown yes. into this position randomly. Like he was always going to be, yes. you know, even if even if he was starting like a spot start, right? Play special like teams. he was going to always be on punt return That's no duty. one's fault. That's no so one's that's fault. That's nobody's fault. Yeah, exactly. That that certainly isn't anybody's fault. But I'll continue to track it. I understand that you bring that up. I mean, I, I completely get it. If people listening, watching right now say, yeah, like I get it. I watched it. I know enough about compound fractures. Like he may never be able to play football again. Yeah, he'll be able to walk again. But in terms of playing the violent game of the National Football League, yeah, maybe it's not in the cards. So I get it. But I'm just telling you, somebody close to Lewis thinks he will play again. Uh, Duke Zadarius Smith, he only played, I think, in 25% of snaps. He was limited and missed some time to it practice last week, but still was a pretty effective uh, one when he was on the field uh, against the Saints in London. Uh, what's the latest on him? Do you do you feel that they're going to still monitor him a little bit? Uh, is he going to be maybe a full go by the time they play the Bears on Sunday? What's your sense on Zadarius Smith? Well, I would hope with that Bears team, even though they have a couple wins, that the Vikings can be up by double digits and maybe rest some guys in the fourth quarter, although it might be inevitable that it'll come down right. to the final two minutes, just the way the last couple of weeks have gone, all the games last year, right? But this Bears roster, to me, is the worst assembled roster in the league. Like, 1-52, to 52, I know they have the two wins. I get that. But I just I don't think there is a worse roster in the entire league. But if it's a close game, yeah, I imagine, uh, Declan, that he's going to, because he was able to go, that he's not going to play just 18 to 20 snaps. I forget what the exact snap count was on Sunday, but it was low. It was 24, what, 22, 24. 24. Thank you, Judd. Yep. Yeah. So I imagine that number climbed steadily, but it may not be 40 something, right? I mean, especially at his age, thinking about November, December, the push for, you know, hopefully a playoff spot, playoff positioning. There's no reason for him to play 50 something snaps or 47 snaps on Sunday. So I, if I had to bet right now, Declan, he plays more than 24, but he certainly comes out enough. Dukes, um, speaking of his partner, so, and and here at Score North, we like to mine. We like to mine for the minutia, the things that, that might get uh, missed, the things where we're told, no, no, you don't get it. The guy's playing fine. I want to talk about Daniil Hunter, okay? Please do. We talked about him on Sunday. I want his hand in the ground. Because we're now four games in, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some comparison stats. Four games in last year, coming off neck surgery. Four games in last year. He played in seven before he got hurt again. Four games last year, five sacks, seven QB hits, okay? So that's in, in the Zim defensive scheme. So far this year, now he's coming off a second consecutive season-ending injury, but Nonetheless, very effective before he got hurt in 2021. One sack, and more importantly, what opened my eyes, according to pro football reference, Darren, was one quarterback hit in the opener against the Packers, zero since. Um, I don't know if this is a Daniil issue at, at all. I don't know if this is him trying to adjust. I don't know if, to your point, this is an Ed Donatel coaching 
issue where we just assumed that this was going to work, and it's not. But with a player who is as impactful as this guy has been throughout the course of his career, including seven games last year, um, I don't feel like I, I hear his name much. He, he did make the one nice tackle when Dalton tried to get into the end zone. But, and more importantly, one quarterback hit and zero since week one is eye-opening when we're talking about Daniil Hunter. Well, and when talking about the last two quarterbacks he's faced. Yeah. Jared Goff. It's not like Goff is Jalen Hurts. And Andy Dalton. Plus, New Orleans' offensive line, pretty blah. Detroit. You know, serviceable to above serviceable offensive line, you know, in terms of protect, protecting golf. But yeah, like New Orleans, I mean, come on. I'm telling you, Judd, I like them more. You know, you tell me if it's too small sample size, you know, if, if I'm jumping the gun. But, you know, I want his hand in the ground. I want him rushing, you know, from that standpoint, not standing up. Now, on occasion in the Zimmer defense, he did stand up. It's yes. not like he's never right. stood up before. Right. But it was few and far between. And he even had a sack or two standing up. But I want that hand in the ground. But right. But and Dukes, yeah. here's what's weird. Here's what's weird, and here's what I don't get. So so Daniil was a third round pick, correct? And and he, he was a third round pick. And he was not a starter. And when he was dis- when Zimmer said, Whoa, 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 this guy has to, to play, uh in his Rookie year, the Vikings were about to play the Broncos, and Daniil was on the scout team, and he played the role of Demarcus Ware, standing up, and and Zimmer pulled him aside and said, "Whoa, you're good there. Why?" And he said, "I'm more comfortable at this point standing up." So that's what I don't get. Like, like yes, he developed into a Pro Bowl player, hand in the ground. He was magnificent, but what I don't understand is he was originally sort of given this chance because of of what he flashed, I believe, in scout team 3-4 defense. So this just seems weird that I never seem to hear his name now. And I think I heard it once or twice, and that was it on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you said it. I mean, it was it was the nice tackle of Dalton as he was running toward the end zone. If Hunter doesn't make that tackle, Dalton scores. Mm-hmm. That's a good reminder of, of the rookie year. Heck, you know, I think Andre Patterson has at least – spoken if not on the record on on background about hey Daniel's enough of an athletic freak where you know he can stand up and sure that's a good reminder of of him playing DeMarcus Ware you know scout team his rookie year I just look at the body of work though with hand in the ground how he transformed into such an elite pass rusher hand in the ground that's where I come from looking at you know 18 19 right when he had the success but sure like, I, I get it. I mean, with that body type, that specimen, it shouldn't matter. Yes. But it just looks like his get-off standing up just isn't the same, right? And I'll admit, you know, far from a trained eye, I get it. But, you know, I'm just saying as somebody who observes, who opines, right, my opinion is I just don't see it. But I'm also willing to acknowledge that through four games, it's not enough of a sample size. So let's revisit this conversation midpoint of the season, also at the 75% point of the season. But, yeah, through four, he's been non-existent. And, heck, being non-existent, you have to wonder, you know, is there a spot for him in 2023, right, when looking at his contractual situation, just how that situation plays out. You can't help but wonder, you know, are we starting to see the beginning of the end of Daniel Hunter in purple? 
Yeah, I guess. I just, I'm, I, I'm amazed. Like I thought that this was going to work and, and it's not. I thought it would work too. Yeah, and I thought I, it would. Yeah. And I'm not expecting, I'm not expecting, you know, eight sacks four games in. But I just go back to he has a quarterback hit against the Packers and he hasn't hit the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, there has to be more pressures, right? There has yes. to be more hits than that. Yeah, we're not expecting, yes. you know, through four have eight, nine, ten sacks. No, I mean that would be ludicrous. But you need to be in the position, right, to fluster the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And you said it, like especially the last two games, really. But even going back to Philly, like I don't remember hearing his name more than once, you didn't, or twice. That is really, really weird. And I'm led to believe, even with the injuries, right, that he feels really good, right? right. So That's my point. You know, I don't think it's a physical thing. I really don't, right? So I'll let it play out. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I get it, right? right? And that's why I wonder about his future. Start prying, right? Derek. Like, Start prying. You know, and he don't might say, play out. with his agent, you know, they might say, hey, this 3-4 isn't our thing. We need to get back to a 4-3 defense. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Final, uh, f- final scoop, Stu. Is anything else in the uh, scoop bag? Well, I'm looking forward to catching up later today with Coney Durr, the former Gophers cornerback. Want to pick his brain on what the heck took place at Huntington Bank Stadium on Saturday. The Twins. So I was in the clubhouse. I know, Judd. Yeah, I know. I know. I, Just, I, I'm done. I heard I, about your rant. I'm so mad at myself. Monday. I haven't exactly heard it. Yeah, I I'm know. D- they can I'm... still win the West, though. Don't forget that. Yeah, well, The West is weak. It's as yeah. weak as ever. Oh, it's the schedule is as favorable as ever. No Michigan, Terrible. no Ohio State. They can still win the West. But, yeah, me smelling roses, maybe that was that was delusional after the Michigan State game. No manure I understand Saturday. that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, Twins. let's not forget, too, Purdue Sorry. was down some guys. The Boilermakers were down some guys. So even if you want to point to, yeah, of course, Mo Ibrahim makes a big difference. Sure, they could have used Chris Ottman Bell. Purdue was down. Three or four guys. So it's not like Purdue had its full complement, although helped by getting Aiden O'Connell back. But yeah, I'm the twin. So I was in the clubhouse last Thursday. I can tell you, Arise, like, if this was something that flared up in the last few days, I'd get the skepticism. He's been battling something with the hammy for a few weeks. Now, here's the comeback to this. If tonight mattered, and he may be in the lineup regardless. This is what Royce said on his... Yes. Yeah, if last night mattered, would he play? If they had to win last night, right, to have a chance to make the playoffs, right, undoubtedly, one hundred percent, Louis Arise would have been in the lineup, right, right. So what's that cutoff? Where we get it, the hamstring is not one hundred percent, but at what point you go out there and play? Now my comeback to all this: guess what? Aaron Judge is getting at bats. Go get hits. Sure. The batting title is there for you to take, Aaron Judge. This isn't anything against Louis Arise. You are given opportunities. You're in the batter's box. Go get some hits, right? And if you get enough hits, you will surpass him. You will win the batting title. You will become the first Triple Crown winner in 10 years since Miguel Cabrera in 2012, Mm -hmm. right? So this to me is not let's rip the crap out of Louis Arise. To me, it's more about Aaron Judge. Go win the title. You have the opportunity. You're getting the at-bats. Go win it. There's nothing against you going to win it, but I'm just telling you, the audience, that Arise's hammy has been bugging him for a bit. All right. Thanks, Dukes, and we will talk to you again with uh, Phil and Toe on Thursday, okay? More scoops. Okay, sounds good, boys. Look forward to Reckless Speculation Thursday. Have a great Tuesday. Oh, See indeed. Us. Indeed. All right, we carry on with um, Mackie and Judd, and in fact, 
We are going to next talk about the National Football Conference of the National Football League. Uh, but before we do that, I, I want to talk about my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers who have helped me drop uh, 40 pounds and most importantly, keep that weight off. Look, here's the thing. It's weight control. It's not a diet, okay? So it's not a fad diet. You're not going on a diet that's going to let you down. You're going on a weight control program that's going to, to first of all, fairly I think not just effectively, but easily take the weight off and then keep that weight off. So all those clothes in your closet that fit again, continue to fit first eight weeks for free. And with the new program, look, you can eat your favorite fruit uh, foods. This includes bread. This includes things that they are now uh, bringing in to the plan. You're going to love it. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia, L-I-V-E-A.com to achieve the weight loss that you are looking for and most importantly to continue at Livia.com. Declan? All right, yeah, before we get into this uh, top five pecking order in the NFC, a shout out to our friends at Underdog Fantasy. So I, I had a nice week in week three. I had a couple of picks that worked out for the Vikings. Of course, yesterday, Matthew Stafford, who can somehow, I guess, not throw a football anymore, kind of kind of screws me over with, with a three-leg parlay. Something's wrong with that elbow, okay? Something's wrong yeah. with that elbow. Yeah, it's and if, up. And if I'm Matthew Stafford, I, I don't worry about the elbow. I just go to Underdog Fantasy right now and maybe put some pick em options in, okay? You can join with promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R. They'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. If you haven't joined Underdog Fantasy, it's in the description here on the YouTube channel. Go join Underdog Fantasy. helps us out. It helps them out. It's the best way to play fantasy sports, best way to get a little sweat on Vikings games and other primetime games. Uh, join Underdog Fantasy down the Underdog Fantasy app. Okay, so t- today um, you have suggested that we rank, I believe you said that we each go through uh, the uh, four games in NFC, what we have so far as far as our top f- five teams. Correct. I want you to start. Yeah. Um, I sat down before the game started on Monday Night Dex and uh, came down came up with what I thought was a pretty definitive five teams. Okay. And then I watched the Niners play, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you right now, um, as bad as they looked against the Broncos and as bad as Jimmy G looked, and they looked terrible a week ago Sunday night, uh, I was pretty impressed with what I saw in, in Santa Clara last night. So that definitely changed how I have my top five teams in the conference ranked. But you go first. Tell me sure. what what you have. I am guessing that the Vikings are in your top five. I'm more curious about where they fall. Yeah, so let's just do this, Jed. I think we both know that the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. And, and I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm... We can just know that that's number one. I know we usually like to climb our way up. Eagles are far and away. They have looked yeah. like the best team in the NFC. So there's no spoiler here. There's no drama. Eagles are number one. But from two through five, I think you and I are probably going to have completely different lists. Um, because yes. the parody, even after five, I mean, you can make a case two through seven right now. Uh, there, there's a spot for, for one of these teams. So I'll go two through five uh, after the Eagles yep. and the NFC. So I'll, for fun. number two, call me crazy. I still think it's the Vikings. I still think the Vikings look like the second best team in the NFC right now. Now, the parity is is insane, uh, of course. All right, uh, the, the Bucks look like a mess to me. Um, the, the Rams are not who they used to be. I'm giving the Vikings the benefit of the doubt because obviously I've watched them more intently through four games. And I just think with the way that their stars are starting to maybe build up and that they've gotten off to a three and one start, that this team is still so much has so much more room to grow that I still think they're the second-best team in the NFC. You can make a case for any of the other teams that are on this list. But for me, mm-hmm. I have the Vikings as the number two team in the NFC right now. Okay, keep going. Number three, 
the Green Bay Packers. I have vaulted the Packers up a little bit here. Um, I, I think Aaron Rodgers, in classic Packer fashion, they got off to a rough start in week one. They have rebounded. I understand Bailey Zapp almost uh, threw a dagger to them in, in, in Lambeau last week, but there's no moral victories here. Uh, the Packers still won a game that they should have won. Uh, I still think that defense, although their run defense is a little leaky, it's a better than the Vikings D, but their lack of weapons still, I think, is potentially going to hurt them, even with an elite quarterback like Rodgers. But for right now, they're still number three. They have the same record as the Vikings. Vikings having the tiebreaker here still, but the Packers are three in mind. Uh, number four might surprise you a little bit uh, because I did not see this happening, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt due to their record. I'm putting the Dallas Cowboys on here. I am putting the Cowboys at number four. Uh, I know, I, I, by the way, I'm, not, I'm the executive producer at Score North. I am not the executive producer at First Take. Uh, I understand the Cowboys are on here all the damn time, but uh, I, I have to give them benefit of the doubt. The Cooper Rush has stepped in here and made things a lot this easier. Is- I don't like Mike McCarthy. I still like my guy, Kellen Moore. Cooper Rush right. has stepped in and has guided this team to wins. So they have they've won three straight games with him. I have to give them the benefit of the doubt. So I have the Cowboys at number four. Okay. Okay, my fifth team in the NFC, and again, man, you could I can pick three or four different teams that could easily make the case for for this fifth spot. Sure. Um, for right now, for me, it's the Bucks, and man, this still feels like a ticking time bomb to me. Um, the, the the Brady situation, their coaching situation, it just seems messy. Now, two years ago when they won the Super Bowl, they didn't look great up until December. Uh, they still had those leaky personnel issues. There was things going on behind the locker room. They got got right by December. They run on to win the Super Bowl. They have Tom bleeping Brady. Um, but at the same time, it just it seems so murky and it's like it's on thin ice. It is not the same Bucks team that scares me like they used to. I know they finally got all their weapons back. They still didn't look very good against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. So I have the Bucks number five, Judd. So from one through five, I have the Eagles, the Vikings, the Packers, the Cowboys. The Buccaneers. Oh boy, yeah, we we are very different. Um, the I am very confused by the Bucks now. Uh, the Brady thing just seems off. Um, I don't know with them. I just don't don't know. And and keep in mind too, as I, I talked about on Unchained with Royce yesterday, it's my opinion that the month of September now has become the National Football League's preseason. It is so hard to read into this because teams morph and they change. And because the exhibition schedule is now down to three games in which the smart teams don't play starters, um, the starters basically get their reps in, as far as games go, in the month of September. So, like, this is so preliminary. And, I mean, hell, San Francisco at Denver Sunday night a week ago looked awful. Jimmy Garoppolo ran out of the end zone by accident and caused his team a safety. I think the final score was, what, 11-9 to or something ridiculous? I don't remember. But the point being is they looked terrible. Last night at home, they come back and pretty convincingly beat the Rams. Um, Stafford's elbow, something is wrong there. There's no question about it. Uh, And that's going to become a problem. I don't know when Von Jefferson, the wide receiver, is due back, but they definitely miss him. Um, So, like, there are so many things to be determined here. But, yes. I'm with you. It's clear cut that if you were to do an actual list and list like one, two, and three, it's Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. They're that they look great, and, and I do think because they have the same bye week as the Vikings in a couple weeks, I think that there is a good chance that they go into the bye undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Jalen Hurts looks fantastic. Yeah, 
I, I, like, and I mean, this is the tough thing, man. This is why you. This is why in the second round you gamble a little bit on a guy like that because he now looks like he definitely should have been a first round pick. Justin Fields looks like a guy who probably should have been a second round pick. So yes, um, my second team going into last night's game game between the Rams and Niners was the was the Rams. Hmm. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave the Rams there. I'm going to leave them there because um, I guess I want to see if Stafford's elbow can come back now because that's going to be a problem if, if it can't. Uh, and there's a chance it can't. But the Rams are defending Super Bowl champions. They still have Aaron Donald. I think if you put the Rams against like the Vikings in a one-game playoff, the Rams still are favored and win. So I'm going to leave the Rams second. Uh, number three... And this is what's so tough is the Vikings are three and one, but Declan, they still have so much room to go. And I guess my question with them is, are they going to do it? Like, like that's the thing, because I'll tell you 1000% right, right now, the cousins O'Connell thing, I don't think is working as quickly as O'Connell envisioned originally. Right. And there's no guarantee in a month from now, it's going to be like, yeah, Eureka, it all works. So I guess my question is, can the Vikings take what's not currently working as well as they would like? And by the way, they're winning games, and can they extrapolate that to, well, now it's starting to to click defensively too? Because I think the Vikings just might not not be uh, ultimately as good as we hope defensively, partly because of personnel. Nonetheless, they're 3-1, and and again, you call it parity. I call it mediocrity to the highest degree. I'll put the Vikings third. The conference is just not not good okay. right now. Okay. Um, my fourth team, because I had the Packers fifth. Uh, my fourth team, I'm going to say Dallas, but with an asterisk. Yeah. Because Dak Prescott's coming back, and Dak Prescott ain't being benched when he can play. Right. And Cooper Rush has done a really nice job. I've rethought my whole... You know, Cooper Rush beat the Vikings. My God, he sucks. He clearly doesn't suck. He's good. He doesn't suck, yeah. Um, but, and, and, and like, does Dak pick up the ball now and run? Does Dak come back and, you know, I don't know. But I'm going to put Dallas fourth. And so uh, my fifth place team is between the Packers and San Francisco. And right now with Garoppolo back, San Francisco. I'm putting San Francisco fifth. Um, Trey Lance being hurt. Is unfortunate. Too bad. I hope he recovers fully. I hope he's absolutely fine. That being said, San Francisco and Green Bay to me are both weird teams. Um, but San Francisco, at the end of the day, doesn't have as good a quarterback, clearly, as Aaron Rodgers. But you know what they do have? Debo Samuel. And they got, got guys that, that can make plays. And I don't know that the Packers have the same ability with their playmakers as San Fran does. So for now... I'm going to put them fifth. So I go Philadelphia, the Rams, the Vikings third, which is damn good, and and um, Dallas, and my fifth place team right now is San Francisco. I leave Green Bay out. I like their defense. I just have real questions about what surrounds Rodgers, and I will say I find this to be intriguing. If we take the five teams, both of our five teams, Declan, and we do a smoke and mirrors test, yep. like like who who do you who do you believe? Like what have you seen where where you're like okay, 
That's real. Eagles pass the test for sure right now. Outside of that, a lot of potential smoke and mirror teams that I don't know yet. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of the beauty of the NFL. This is why the NFL reigns supreme. They get us every time. Yeah. They get us well, every and, time with this. Yeah. This is not a surprise. I, I don't buy, uh, I'm not buying a, a, a large amount of San Francisco stock yet. Uh, I, I don't love the marriage between Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan, and I think that's going to be a potential issue. Um, they're done they, now, baby. They, he, I, I don't mind Jimmy G, but his coach doesn't really believe in him. Um, and I just think that's not a good recipe. Now they've won. They're winning. They, they've, they, when Jimmy G plays, I know everyone loves QB wins because it's like the most definitive stat in the world. But when Jimmy G plays, that team typically wins. So maybe as it progresses, I'll, I'll start buying it more. Right now, I, I'm in such a wait-and-see mode. Um, I know they beat the Rams. They have the Rams number basically in the regular season the last three yes. years. Uh, but yes. I, I don't, after watching what they did in Sunday Night Football the week before, I just have, I have still have a lot of questions about that offense, even with Debo. I mean, what the hell was that? I mean, the, the, his touchdown yesterday, like, it, it was incredible. Don't get me wrong. Debo's a joystick. But the Rams, like, this Ram, if this Rams defense isn't as good as it used to be, the Rams are in serious trouble. Like, Matthew Stafford might take a step back, but their defense should be good. That Rams defense looks awful right now. Yeah, I, I, I think on the plate that you're talking about, the long uh, uh, catch and all the yak that Samuel had, there were, what, three egregious missed tackles? Yeah, including Jalen Ramsey, who in the open field just basically said, yeah, yeah, you know what, I'm not doing this one. <laughs> uh, but, but, I mean, I don't know on Dallas, Declan. I have no idea. I have zero idea on Dallas. Uh, right now, the Vikings. I have no clue because – if they don't, if they don't progress from where they're currently at, they're probably in trouble, and they very well might. But I don't know. Um, San Fran, you're right about that one. The interesting thing, and this is why I've always said this, Dex, the red zone is such a perfect thing, is because if you if you are forced to sit down, in my opinion, and watch games, full games of teams that you are not a, a fan of. So, like, it's one thing to sit down on uh, Sunday and watch the Vikings. But if you are forced to sit down and watch, or were, the entire Patriots-Packers game, it's garbage. But red zone's great, because what does Scott Hansen do? Scott, Scott he takes you around the league. Hey, let's go. There's a scoring hey guys, opportunity guys, here. Guys, guys, guys. There's a play here. Guys, let's go back to that. Let's go to the Octobox. It's genius, because the one thing that's absolute crap is to be forced to watch teams that you don't care about, you know, that San Fran Rams game last night had a lot of flaws, man. It had a lot of flaws. But, yes, what makes the league so fun is, for the most part, games come down to the wire. But um, I'm also with you a, a little bit on Tampa. It, just, just, it doesn't feel right. It's murky. Right? Yep. It doesn't feel right. And, and is Brady still officially ha- having marital problems now? Where yeah. do things stand? I keep seeing memes about it, and I keep seeing – but I mean, like the whole thing just feels like it feels like he basically had said, I'm done. And then said, you know what? I really don't uh. don't want to retire yet. And yeah, the whole thing's a complete mess. All right. We are uh, done. Th- thanks to Dukes. Again, Phil should be back for tomorrow's show. Mackie and Judd and also Purple Daily. Declan, what else do we have to clean up before we say goodbye? Uh, yeah, write that down. Predictions tomorrow. So an accountability session. We'll actually have a double dip. We'll have uh, multiple guests. We'll have two guests on each Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily. Ooh. Write that down tomorrow. So a full house uh, and and plenty of accountability to be had 
uh, between you and me and Phil. Some gopher football predictions that'll be coming off the board. And I think Phil hasn't cleaned this up yet, but um, we made a lot of Minnesota Twins playoff predictions for 2022. And with the Twins now mathematically eliminated, it might be a bloodbath of predictions that come off the board tomorrow. So stay tuned for how wrong we are twice tomorrow. Mackie Judd, Purple Daily. Hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. We'll be back for that accountability session tomorrow.